a Radio 191 FM podcast. All right, there's a track from Moby, Morningside. It's the DJ Boring remix. And right now on the line, I have a DJ uh, and also a Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. Good morning to you. <laughs> I need to take one of those titles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> uh, but people still talk about that set. They still go on about it. It's still a thing. I mean, it's an international press. It is It is still a thing, but I've, I've always called myself more a tune selector than an actual DJ. Yeah, no, well, I, yeah, well real DJs will say, yes, that's correct. But <laughs> <for this. laughs> Hey, uh, what's your favourite Van Halen track after the passing of Eddie Van Halen this morning? Oh, I just saw that. It was really, really sad and only 65, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, I don't know that I could name a favourite, but just <laughs> he's... I mean, he's so iconic. It's, yeah, really, we're losing a lot at the moment. Totally. Really sad to see. Yeah, it's not been the greatest year ever. Hey. No. <laughs> right up there with amongst the worst, yeah. I think we can say. I, yeah. I totally wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. <laughs> right, um, now I pay $50 a week in student loan repayments, uh, and that's fair. Um, and my loan is a reasonable size, you know, it's the average. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't do postgrad. And there's a lot of students out there that have to do postgrad, and they have much bigger loans, and they may have to pay yeah. seventy to a hundred dollars a week in repayments. Um, you know, and that, that's a struggle for anyone that's just coming out of university, and for the first ten years, probably. Um, you yeah. know, uh, and, and that for me, I see that as a big hindrance to getting on the house ladder. So, yeah, and you know this. So, why have you decided not to allow um, postgrads to get the student allowance this year round, this time round? Yeah, and so this, I mean, there's a number of areas where, you know, where students, you know, they are carrying burden there. You know, I, I think so back to, you know, back to the 1990s and the changes we've been able to progressively make. Mm-hmm. There is a big difference there. So the next step for us when we've been in government was actually to say for everyone, including those who may go on to postgrad, we want your first year to be free. And the reason that we chose to do that is to try and remove the barriers for those who might be considering study. A lot of people are first in family, never gone to university, no one in their family's gone to university before. It's a real barrier in people's minds that that first entry, the idea of taking on that debt, we, that's why we honed in on that area. Um, that has meant roughly 150 million uh, hasn't been taken out in debt by students as a result. So we've spread that across all students, but it mm-hmm. does mean we're having to make trade-offs in other areas about when we can afford to make a difference for those in other parts of, of the education sector. Yeah, but I would argue that the first years, uh, you know, still have pretty good support from home. Uh, and when you're getting into postgrad, I mean, some people are doing postgrad for years, they're in their, you know, late, late 20s when they're getting out. Uh, you know, and these people turn out to be our doctors. You know, um, and postgrads are really important to our economy. Yeah, just on that, just on that, in terms of support from home, not everyone. No, I mean, totally. Keep in mind, keeping in mind, of course, it's income tested. When you get a bit older, um, you're not tested against your, your family's income as well. So, um, you know, I'm not at all saying that it's easy for those postgrads. In fact, I'm saying what I'm simply saying is we've had to make some choices. Uh, and we've made a choice about trying to get, trying to support people in, in the first place. Do you know, actually, I read a story not that long ago about um, an Otago winger, Freedom, um, who uh, dropped out of high school, mm-hmm. and it was because of fees free that he made the call to go back into back into study. Ended up 
doing accounting uh, because that, that barrier was just removed. And so I just don't think we should underestimate the difference that makes for people. Totally. So dropping out of high school and going into accounting, that's a smart cookie. Amazing. Uh, I know, a massive. He did um, <laughs> foundation courses. It's such an amazing story. I was reading about him, and I think it was in the ODT recently. That's nice. That's nice. Um, now, students work... Uh, a lot of students work, and a lot of students work in, um, you know, hospitality sector. They're working in hotels and the like. And those jobs, a lot of those jobs are gone now. Uh, yeah. And you've done a great job supporting um, a lot of people through the wage subsidy. Like, it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing. And I do give you massive credit for that. Yeah. Um, but that's not going to last forever. And next year's a new year, uh, and a lot of those jobs still won't be around. We know you increased the student allowance uh, by $50. Once again, I commend you on that again. Fantastic. But, you know, $50 quickly disappears, especially when you've lost your job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, is, is there any more support coming in the way of supporting students over the course of the next couple of years while we go through this recovery directly to them financially? Well, some of, I know that there's actually been a bit of, you know, quite good on-campus support as well and I really want to commend universities for focusing in on the welfare and well-being of students right now because you're right a lot of our students are in hospitality you know I, I'm trying to keep an eye on you know what is it that we can do to regardless of whether you're a, you know a student or hospital is your full-time um, you know your full-time wage what can we do to make sure that that sector is back in action and thriving again and that's where just making sure that we've got a strategy that keeps New Zealand open is so key. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, the wage subsidy has made a difference, but actually what we've seen because we've managed COVID relative to the rest of the world really well, we've managed to see that recovery quite quickly. You know, we've seen 1,500 people a week coming off job seeker and into work again because of that recovery. I'd be really interested to know how hospital is doing now and Dunedin, particularly given, you know, level two, we made the decision to design our system so that hospitality can still work when we have restrictions. It is a bit harder, you know, because people are seated and things, but it can still open. Other mm-hmm. countries have simply shut them or put curfews on. We haven't done it that way with an effort to, to try and keep our hospital sector going. Well, I must say, I did go for a pint on Saturday night after I worked at a gig at the town hall. Uh, yeah, and I amazing. wouldn't have been able to do either of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was amazing, and people were you really had, appreciative. Have you had Benny play already? That's what, well, I, that was the gig that I was working yeah, at at okay. the town hall. Great, great, great. <laughs> yeah, I, and so that's amazing that we are able to, to have gatherings like that. And just on that, we do want to support uh, our recovery for our creatives and our music scene. So we've got a domestic touring fund that we've put in through the New Zealand Music Commission mm-hmm. to try and support our artists to start touring again, um, to support them to play, sometimes if it needs to be smaller, smaller gigs if they need, and that then supports our hospitality sector as well by just getting just getting our creative sector going again, supporting our creatives. And so great to see Nadia Reid and Tiny Ruin, for instance, touring. This all bodes really well for, for those sectors. How often do you wear the socks? Oh, all the time. <laughs> the, 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 the Nadia Reid sock is, is a high-quality sock. <laughs> She was very chuffed. She was very chuffed. It's a a brilliant sock. I actually (laughs) called myself and didn't realise Holly Smith has a range of socks as well. The merch for New Zealand artists is really 
fantastic. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> and they support local, so it's very yeah, important. Absolutely. It's very important. Um, just quickly on a few climate change things. Methane from mm. cattle and sheep makes up 35% of our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, you know, um, and methane is 28% worse for the environment than... Yeah. Um, then carbon dioxide. Uh, Zero Carbon Bill wants a 10% reduction target of methane by 2030 and a provisional target of 24 to 47% by 2050. Uh, how do we achieve this when, you know, methane, uh, you know, it's absorbed by trees, but it's also emitted at the same time. So trees are pretty much methane neutral uh, when it comes to what they take in and what they put out. So how do we reduce that level of methane while keeping, um, you know, essentially the same amount of cattle on farm? Great question. And, and actually, overall, agricultural emissions are making up about 48%. It is our biggest contributor. And so, you know, the challenge for us is how through our farming practice in New Zealand and how through technology um, can we see a reduction in those emissions? There is some uh, amazing research and development going on in New Zealand, and we've increased our contributions to that research to, to really make sure that we are doing everything we can because it also means that we'll have IP to sell to the world. But everything from the type of feed you use, um, uh, the, 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 even the way that we see animal digestion working mm-hmm. uh, has an ability to bring down emissions. Um, what we've done though is say actually as well as investing in that research, we have to work together with our primary sector, with our farmers to come up with a plan that incentivizes emissions reduction. Mm-hmm. and at the same time um, actually has some disincentives too. So we've committed to doing that. We will be the first country in the world that will have a pricing mechanism as part of that regime. And, and my belief is that we will continue to be able to be a, a country where people look to the quality of our products and we'll be able to you know, get a premium price for it because we'll be clean, green and carbon neutral in the way that we operate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, with that $40 leg of lamb, they're paying only $30 for it overseas, and it's still our lamb. <laughs> uh, so it's giving an overseas price. Yeah. Say, it's, been, it's been a while since I've had time to put on a Sunday. Um, yeah, um, you, you just mentioned research then. It's postgrads that are doing that research. People that have been through postgrad, and we are, and we are funding a significant amount of that research as well, directly funding yep. that research. Well, don't so let them sell it. For those postgrads, good. Don't let them sell it off afterwards, please. Well, the, well, the idea, of course, being we want to retain yes. all of that, you know, all of those that, that amazing thinking because New Zealand's a high you know, ag profile for our mission makes us unusual now, but as soon as the rest of the world, who at the moment see a high percentage of their emissions coming for transport, as soon as they start knocking off that low-hanging fruit, they'll be looking around to say, actually, what is the next, what, is, what do we do about you know, our food production? Already when I go to international uh, gatherings, such as the UN, I already have world leaders saying to me, what are you doing about agriculture? Mm-hmm. So they are looking for answers and we can provide them. Um, why hasn't Labor approved the business case for the Dunedin Hospital? Sorry, what was that? Why hasn't Labor approved uh, we've the still cabinet? The, principle, which, the reason that we've done that, there's some final work that needs to be done, but the reason we've done the approval in principle is so we can crack on. The demolition work is already underway. Mm-hmm. Nothing will be stalled by that. So it's a process point, but nothing's been held up as a result. Okay, okay. Um, now, this is a question from a staff member here at OUSA. If you had to improve one area of yourself but had to pick 
uh, a strength of Judith Collins to do so, what would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I often talk about uh, to group of group, particularly um, uh, girls' schools, about Mm. the need for. Or, you know, and there's a bit of an assumption in here, but I think it's based on something, is that we often are our own worst enemies. So overcoming that confidence gap mm-hmm. is always having that self-belief. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's, that's something that I actually think we should encourage, just constantly having that really strong sense of self-belief. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, and just just um, quickly, just to end here, I want to talk a little bit about mental health on campus. Use mm. of mental health services on campus has risen in the last five years, up 25%, yeah. uh, and that will more than likely increase for the 2020 stats are out. Um, yet students have to pay for their services, either through service fees or their own bank account. Uh, what is the plan to tackle this from Labor? What, do you, what are and you going to do about it? And it would be great if that was being funded um, through campus services. That would be, you know, we actually have been rolling out free service in uh, Wellington. Um, we've got a program called Picky that's all been about for under-24s accessing those free services. And you'll see we're also part of our announcements on mental health have been rolling out free services through primary schools, through intermediate schools, through high schools. So we're progressively just trying to improve access. One thing that I want to fundamentally change mental health in New Zealand is to have easy access to primary mental health. So whether it's through a youth service or your usual GP or an iwi provider, that in the same way you go to your doctor, you can appointment-free also have access to people who are trained in mental health support. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal. We're rolling that out at the moment. We've had 33,000 sessions already offered across 71 sites, and we need to keep rolling that out, including on campuses. You do. You do indeed. All right, well, we'll leave it there. You're in town. You will be on campus at Habas 12. Habas 12. Come and say hello. Um, uh, I'm hoping that... Um, it won't be too drizzly. <laughs> and you're allowed to do selfies now? Yeah, yeah. No, I've been I've been doing selfies. Um, it's just when we were uh, when we had parts of the country at different elite levels, just still keeping up distance. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been making it work. Yeah, you have. Hey, well, that's what you do. Hey, uh, yeah. well, thank you so much for uh, joining me this morning. I'll see you at Harvest Twelve at St David's. Have yourself a, um, a wonderful morning in Otipoti. Awesome. Until then, thank you very much, Prime Minister. Thanks very much. Kakite. Kakite. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.